It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 252 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, January 2nd, 2018. I am your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can uh, find links to every single episode. Of course, Locked On Raptors is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which hosts team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams, as well as all 32 NFL teams. If you are an NFL fan and your team is in the playoffs, make sure you're checking out all of the great content from all the Locked On NFL shows as well. Uh, and you can find as well Locked on Fantasy with Josh Lloyd, Locked on NBA with David Locke, a whole bunch of stuff for you to check out. Uh, there's uh, something for everybody on the Locked on Podcast Network, and you can find them all together on the Locked on NBA or Locked on NFL iTunes channels. And if you find a show you like, you should subscribe to it separately on its own page. And you can do that with us. Locked on Raptors is on its own iTunes page. Uh, and it takes no time at all to leave a rating, leave a review. It's uh, a very easy way to show your support for the show, show that you care, helps to move us up the rankings, makes us more discoverable, and all those good things. So, uh, I appreciate you very much for doing that, and uh, let's try to get even more uh, reviews and ratings this this year. We got 49, I think, right now. They're all five stars. You guys are wonderful people. Um, we can get a few more in there this year. Get it up to like 100 by the end of the year. Maybe that should be our New Year's resolution. Get to 100 by the end of the year. I would be greatly indebted, forever indebted, to everybody who does it. So uh, thank you in advance for leaving a rating or review on the iTunes page. Uh, on today's show, we have like an actual fun basketball game to care about. I'm sorry for the last couple weeks, it's been a very inconsistent schedule. Uh, just a couple episodes over the last couple weeks with the holidays and stuff. Um, and like, I'm not gonna lie to you, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. I was really bored by December for the, with the Raptors. Like, it wasn't an interesting time to talk about the team. They were playing a bunch of crap teams that weren't very interesting, and they were winning a bunch of games, which was great, but it didn't really feel like you were learning anything from most of those games. Like, they were up against, like, awful opponents pretty much every single night, and I didn't feel like I came away knowing all that much about the Raptors. And things changed with the first game of January, um, and I'm very excited to get back on the regular schedule. This will be, uh, you know, back on the regular schedule this week. I'm going to have an episode tomorrow that's going to be a year in review for 2017 with Vivek Jacob. Um, So what everyone wants on January 3rd is looking back at a terrible year in 2017. Uh, But we're going to do that with Vivek, Vivek and it'll be good but yeah just uh i'm really happy that there's like a refreshing fun game to care about and the game where it felt like the x's and o's actually mattered uh where both teams seemed like equally interested in like playing basketball against one another uh and that was last night when the raptors beat the milwaukee bucks in overtime 131 127 uh i think easily the most entertaining raptors game of the year i guess you could make an argument for the game against the warriors earlier in the season or maybe even that celtics game which was just ugly and terrible but uh this one was just really fun start to finish both teams threw a bunch of stuff at each other and then you had the fact that demar Derozan uh broke the franchise record for points scored and uh r.i.p terrence ross uh, i'm looking at the photo of him above my desk right now and, and weeping but uh demar Derozan now is the franchise record holder he scored 52 points last night in 43 minutes uh 17 of 29 from the field five of nine from deep 13 of 13 from the line just like a ridiculously just surgically efficient night 
Uh, eight assists as well, led the team in that category, five boards. Just He was so, so damn good last night. And he's kind of the reason the Raptors ended up winning this game. Uh, you know, Kyle Lowry, he had a great game as well. Um, he had 26, 6, and 6, and was 7 of 13, 5 of 10 from deep. He was awesome as well. And we'll get to that. But uh, it was DeMar that really carried the offense in this one. And I think what I want to start with for this game, um, and this is just going to be me talking for the next 20 minutes. I don't know how to guess for this one. It's just going to be me talking and uh, just emptying my brain after uh, what a just a ridiculous game last night. So uh, I think the thing I want to start with is that last night I kind of felt like the Raptors, in a way, you know, there's been a lot of talk this season about whether or not the Raptors, when they come across good teams and in close games, are going to revert back to their old offensive habits. And I kind of think they did it in this game, but not in like a bad way. Um, you know, I'm going to be writing about this later for Raptors HQ, and I think what the Raptors did in this game was they reverted back to an old version of themselves, but it was like a better, more refined version of their old selves that works a lot better uh, than what it had in the past. And obviously we saw the issues that the Raptors offense being so Lowry and DeRozan dominant with not much in the way of trustworthy secondary guys, we saw that the, the negative impact of that and sort of how that, you know, is easy to guard in the playoffs and things like that. Um, but I think last night they went back to their sort of very heavy pick and roll offense uh, that we see that we used to see a whole, a whole like a, all the time pretty much. So it was pretty much every single play down the court. The Raptors would run a high would run a high pick and roll to try to get Lowry and DeRozan some space, and things would happen from there. And usually it would end up with a Lowry DeRozan shot. And they did that last night. I don't think like uh, you know we've talked a lot this season about the new ball movement offense and you know doing a bunch of different things and cuts and off ball screens and things like that and all the different ways the Raptors have gone about getting their stuff initiated. This game it was not like that at all. They ran a ton of pick and roll in this game, um, a lot of one two pick and rolls, which we haven't seen a lot of. Uh, you know we we saw that of course last season a lot against say say the Boston Celtics for example where that was a way to try to get a mismatch for one of those guys onto uh, on Isaiah Thomas for example, there's a whole bunch of teams in which the Raptors have used that 1-2 pick and roll as sort of their go-to weapon to try to get the switches they want in the past, and they went to it hard last night. They haven't done it a whole lot this year, uh, but I do think it was kind of specifically tailored towards the Bucks. and I thought it was interesting that the Raptors went back to their sort of base offense from the last couple seasons against the Bucks, a team that almost sort of, you know, set the Raptors into a complete teardown by being, you know, a real nuisance for what the Raptors used to do on offense. But I think what the Raptors did last night was kind of a nice show of growth for, you know, it's not just that the Raptors are, have a better ball movement offense now, it's that they can play an older style of offense as well, but do it more effectively because of the guys they have on the court. Um, so what I'm talking about, so the Bucks. I think we kind of know at this point. The Bucks play this crazy aggressive style of defense where they trap the ball a whole bunch. They they come up high on the pick and roll. You know their their bigs are always high. They don't really hang back, and it creates a lot of problems with their length, especially. And Dwayne Casey talked about this last night uh, before the game in terms of how just long the Bucks are and John Henson being out there as a starter who the Raptors didn't really see much in the playoffs last year. But John Henson is a very long defender, and having Giannis and Eric Bledsoe whose arms go forever as well for the point guard spot, uh, Middleton like these guys have crazy long arms they're really hard to deal with in traps and that is you know why at their peak the Bucks defense is just really hard to deal with because they're swarming and they make you they force you to make really quick and smart decisions and if you don't that you're going to turn the ball over a whole bunch and we saw that in the first couple games of the playoffs last year games one two and three mostly games one and three where DeMar DeRozan just couldn't do anything to deal with what the the Bucks were throwing at him same with Kyle Lowry and you know when they were were making plays out of those those traps in the fourth 
four-on-three situations, the Raptors didn't have guys who could make plays to sort of you know, p- penalize the Bucks for, for what they were doing. And once you put Norm Powell in, that kind of changed a little bit, and that kind of changed the course of that series when Powell started to uh, sort of, you know... Exploit the the rotating defenses and things like and things like that, but uh, you know that that was always that's always been an issue for the Raptors in the playoffs. It's kind of the the reason that they've struggled so much. But last night, you know, Demar made just really good reads in the high pick and roll situations where the Bucks were sending multiple defenders at him, and it was kind of startling because he would you know either make a pass to Fred VanVleet who'd be cutting. He kind of set this was what they did late in the game. Actually, it was kind of interesting. Eric Kareen wrote about this for the Athletic as well. Um, the Raptors were running these one-two pick and rolls. I guess you could say it was like a two-three pick and roll or whatever, depending on what position you want to say Fred VanVleet was playing. But Fred would set the screen for Demar, and and then then when the trap came, Fred would cut, and it was a nice little. They, they ran it two or three times. A nice little play they drew up. Demar would you know squeeze the pass through the trap. Uh, Van Vliet would get it sort of in like the you know weird it's kind of Demar's mid range area I guess like to the right of the basket and he'd be able to make plays from there he found uh, Serge Ibaka you know rolling down the lane at one point he went to the corner for another play as well uh, the far left corner to get the ball swinging side to side which is how you beat this Bucks defense when they're being so aggressive and it, it really worked and you know the the Raptors made better decisions in those situations and there were still times where it didn't work the last play of regulation was one of them where the Raptors you know DeMar just kind of dribbled the ball forever and the Raptors never got any sort of motion going off the ball and the trap came and there was just no decisions to be made uh, and, and I think it was let me pull up my notes here from what happened on that final play yeah I think what happened was it came to to Serge Ibaka on the swing, and then Ibaka took too long to make a decision, passed it off. Kyle had a contested three that I think got blocked. It was one of the uglier possessions of the night, and it kind of indicates exactly what the the ceiling of that kind of offense is, where you're running so much through DeMar and Kyle and, and counting on the swinging of the ball and good decisions to be made on down the line. Uh, it kind of exposed exactly where that went wrong for the Raptors last season, but for the most part, they were much better in these situations. DeMar was doing a really good job of dealing with the traps. He was just kind of getting around them a lot as well. They were kind Kind of uh, a lot of them were to the right side of the court where they would send like Middleton and you know whatever big you want to throw in there or whatever guard uh, Bledsoe sometimes and whoever was guarding the the, the point guard who was screening for him um, and Demar would just kind of blow past it instead of getting trapped in the corner there he would just kind of you know get the edge and sort of get a, a step on Middleton and then just go to the basket and make a play from there I think he had a, an and one late in the game that was exactly that where he just blew out of the trap and then was just too fast and too explosive for uh, the Bucks defenders to deal with it. Um, and I, I kind of think it's interesting that the Raptors went to this against the Bucks because, like, they almost invited the Bucks to play their style of defense. Like, um, and, and you know, you talk six or seven months or eight months ago during the playoffs, this would have been crazy. It would have been insane to think, yeah, let's let's entice the Bucks to play this super trapping defense that we can't deal with, but. It seems like the guys they have on the roster right now are more equipped to deal deal with it. I mean, C.J. Miles got a couple open threes out of it, and you know when C.J. Miles is on the court, I mean that's just a wonderful release valve against uh, this Bucks defense to to have on the court, kind of on the other side of the court. If you can swing to him, get an open shot for C.J. Miles, that's an excellent possession. Um, and I think the Raptors, I think it's a credit to them. They kind of took upon themselves the sort of. I don't know, they, they kind of looked at the Bucks' defense, and I think the, the offensive strategy, which was very different than a lot of games they've played this season, I think it was uh, very much geared towards exploiting the Bucks' over-aggressiveness as, as opposed to trying to avoid it. Um, and I think that, you know, they should be comp- commended for that, and it should sort of uh, be an indicator of how long the Raptors, how far the Raptors have come with their offense, that they were able to do that to great effect. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up 
with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what else happened in, in this game? Uh, DeMar was DeMar. We'll get to DeMar. We'll kind of go into his exploits in a little bit. But another thing I wanted to point out was uh, Dwayne Casey kind of experimented with some lineups in this game that I thought were kind of fun. But they also didn't really get a whole lot of run. And I'm kind of curious. I would like to maybe dive into that. I'm sure you're not going to get a response from Dwayne Casey about his lineup usage in January against a team that could potentially play in the playoffs. Um, but I do think there might have been something, too, in the second quarter. Sorry, the third quarter. The Raptors ran out this lineup. Yeah, they Lowry with Wright, DeMar, OG, and Surge, and they played a couple minutes. I think they went on like a 5-2 run or something like that. They looked really good, and then Jonas Valanciunas came back in, and uh, you know, I'm, this was in the second quarter, sorry. And I'm curious to, to sort of hear what the thought process would be behind that play, but behind that move, behind that you know substitution of getting Jonas back in and taking DeLon out. And I think it was probably just like it was late in the second quarter. Jonas hadn't played since the first quarter, and it was just to sort of maintain the integrity of the rotation, but I also kind of wonder if maybe there was something in Wayne Casey's mind where he saw that lineup working and you know you look at the standings like it's not out of the question to think the Raptors and Bucks could play in a first round series or even a second round series if the Raptors end up with like a one seed and the Bucks end up with a four like that's totally reasonable as well um so with that in mind I think it's kind of interesting that uh, Dwayne, you know, pulled that lineup out pretty quickly, even though it looked really good, and it was kind of, you know, it was a bit of a rough second quarter for the Raptors, and the fact that that lineup was kind of bringing them uh, back out of the, you know, whatever kind of malaise they might have been in, I thought it was interesting, but I do think that's probably, you know, if you ask Dwayne, he probably wouldn't tell you, but I wouldn't be shocked if that was kind of in his mind, uh, that, you know, that this lineup looks really good, and it might be something that works against the Bucks long term, maybe let's not have a ton of film on it, uh, so let's move it out right now and get JV back in. Um, these little games that you play I mean this is the the kind of fun thing about the Raptors now is that they actually do kind of play with an eye towards the playoffs so they should be at least um, because they're so good because they're so kind of entrenched into the top part of the Eastern Conference uh, there's no need for them to sort of blow all their their film on stuff that they think might work against playoff opponents uh, in the middle of a January game and the Raptors still ended up winning the game because of it or d- despite taking that line about and never seeing that lineup again uh, but give me more of Lowry Wright DeMar OG and Serge I think that's a really fun interesting lineup and uh, I think we'll see that a lot more. Uh, maybe as a closing lineup or something like that as we get closer to the end of the year. We've seen kind of a variation of that with Van Vliet in quite a bit um, instead of Wright. I do like Wright in that spot a little bit more even though the spacing is a little bit more cramped. I think Wright on defense is just that much better and uh, he's kind of more creative on offense as well and he kind of utilized Lowry as an off-ball threat a little bit more but uh, that's a lineup to keep an eye on and like just the, the coaching that the, Ra- that the Raptors did in this game I thought was really good and there's a thread that I just tweeted out uh, or, or retweeted from uh a guy who writes for Brew Hoop, his name is Dean Maniat. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. I'm totally, I apologize if uh, it's not how you spell Dean, but, or pronounce it Dean, but uh, he has this t- uh, thread that you can go to my Twitter and check it out there, or go to his Twitter, um, and it's a great thread of the last play of the game. So, in regulation, uh, the Raptors fell down, I think, by four late in the, with like two or three minutes left in the thir- in the fourth quarter, ended up pulling it back, uh, we'll get into some of the plays that happened there, but 
the final play, I thought the coaching staff did a really great job, and I think obviously the execution by the Raptors defensively was amazing as well. Um, so you had uh, on that play, you had uh, Matthew Dellavedova on the inbound, you had Kyle Lowry guarding Delhi, and, and the Raptors just had like a bunch of dudes on the court. Um, they had Pascal Siakam in there after a timeout. They, there was a switch that they made uh, after the first lineup for the play, um, and just the way that it's hard to explain this thread because it's all video work and it's hard to really explain it. But essentially, the Raptors uh, obviously knew that the Bucks have two plays that they tend to run uh, at the end of games in this situation on the sideline out of bounds, and uh, they they diagnosed what the first play was, I think, and then they put a bunch of new dudes in. Uh, they they brought they had to call the timeout after the after the Bucks timeout. Uh, they put Siakam in. They you know communicated with the guys whatever what was going on, and then the way the Raptors executed that final play defensively was incredible. There was like multiple switches. OG and Obi switched twice over the course of like three seconds uh, on the inbound, and it ended up with Malcolm Brogdon getting having you know DeMar DeRozan on him, just completely shutting him down and having him heave up a you know a thirty footer that that fell short. And I just thought it was a really great defensive play, and the way that. Uh, Dean breaks it down the, with the video and sort of looking at the Raptors bench reactions to what was going on in the court as well as what the Raptors just did on the court to execute the play thought it was really uh, a great at highlighting exactly what the Raptors did there and kind of was a nice coaching job by the Raptors so that's another thing as well to check out uh, from this game there's lots of stuff to read about this game man it's uh, it's a really fun one and I think Raptors fans and Raptors bloggers are just excited that there's a game to you know get this pumped up about because like I said January or December was kind of a just a foggy malaise I was less interested in talking about the team and for this game for so much x's and o's stuff to come out of it is really just fun and uh it's kind of a nice refresher and it kind of has me juiced up again to kind of get back into the into the swing of things here in, in january um and uh you know the raptors have a fun schedule coming up and here's hoping that there's more games like this the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so before we dive fully into DeMar and how ridiculous he was, let's get to uh, some of my favorite non-Demar plays and contributions from this game because this wasn't just a Demar game as much as he had 52 points and uh, was kind of the offense late in the game. I do think there were a lot of other sort of performances and individual plays that kind of stand out. Uh, there was that last defensive play, as, as I mentioned. OG, I think on that play in particular, he switched two different times, ended up on Giannis, and kind of rendered Giannis inconsequential to the play, which is very impressive and hard to do. Um, and the way the Raptors had it set up, they had it guarded against lobs and things like that, and it was just a great play. Uh, and OG switching a couple times there. Just you shouldn't be good that smart defensively when you're you know 20 and in your first season in the NBA. But OG is man, and he's uh, he's just a ridiculously exciting defensive prospect at this point. He played the entire game. He had uh, one point uh, in 35 minutes. Uh, didn't attempt a shot. One or two from the line. Uh, six boards, which I think might be a season high for him because uh, he's not much for the rebounds at this point. Uh, and he was a plus 16, uh, best on the team because uh, apparently. Just he's just a plus minus god at this point. Um, so yeah, he was really great. And then another play too. Uh, this was uh, again OG. This was late in the game against Giannis. Uh, this was the the possession where Giannis 
put the Bucks up 112-109. This was just before Kyle Lowry hit the wide open three that I'm not exactly sure how he got so wide open to make the three to tied it at 112. Uh, I think it was the problem with the Bucks defense. It's too over aggressive. It, it depends on perfect rotations every single time down the court and people are human. Basketball players are human. They're not going to be perfect every single time down the court. Um, and it ended up with Kyle having a wide open three that tied the game. But just before that, OG played this possession on on Giannis where uh, he kind of, he walled him off at the perimeter, he played up close to him, he didn't let let Giannis any any space to sort of blow by him with the first step or get a a step on him. Uh, He almost poked the ball away for a steal at one point, Giannis had to recover it, uh, and he ended up forcing Giannis into a tough you know, fadeaway jumper from the baseline, and it went down because Giannis is ridiculous, but I just thought that was a really amazing OG possession on Giannis. Again, an example of OG just, like, taking whoever comes at him. You know, James Harden earlier in the season, uh, he defended Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins a couple times, mostly Davis, I think, against the Pelicans, um, and then that possession against Giannis. Like, OG has shown all of the sort of earmarks of a dude who... Earmarks? That's not what the word is. The the hallmarks of a guy, yeah, that's it, Sean. Good job. Um, yeah, the, the hallmarks of a guy who is going to be just a dude who can defend literally anybody in the NBA, and it's really fun and really exciting. And even though the shot went down and it kind of looked like it might have been a you know kind of daggerous had the Raptors missed at the other end on the next possession, obviously they didn't. But uh, you know, even though it went down, I thought it was just a really unbelievable defensive possession by OG and kind of uh, spoke to his effect on the court even when he isn't attempting a single shot over the course of a game. Um, I thought DeLon Wright was really great in this game as well. Uh, he finished the game with eight points. He, you know, his three-point shot, again, it's kind of evading him, 0 of 2 in this one, but he was excellent in terms of just getting to the basket. He drove, he had a couple and ones, I believe, uh, a couple kind of scooping, circusy type layups, and he's just, he's really creative, and his defense is unbelievable, too. He had two blocks last night. Um, one of them was like a chase down block. It was kind of nuts. Um, I think it was on Middleton. Middleton had a rough night, man. He, uh... He was not uh, the 35th best player in the NBA per uh, Sports Illustrated last night. Uh, just 18, 18 points on 7 of 17, 0 4 from deep, and kind of got punked by uh, DeRozan all, all night long. And then uh, Middleton, uh, actually, no, I think it was, uh, might have been Bledsoe that got blocked by, by DeLon. But either way, Bledsoe got blocked by Ibaka on another chase down block, which was insane. But um, yeah, no, I thought DeLon was really good. And Fred Van Vliet, you know, I've kind of had issues with him and his fit with the closing lineup. I'm just not sure he. I, th- I think the Raptors in the past, maybe the, it wasn't quite an issue in this game because DeMar was doing so much of the creating, but in the past, they've kind of given Van Vliet the, the go-ahead to create a lot of the time when he's in that crunch time lineup, and I just don't think that's the best use of him. Um, and they didn't use him like that last night. Last night, he was standing in the corner a whole bunch, having balls swing to him, and then they used him, uh, as I alluded to, as sort of a, a release valve for the traps that DeRozan was facing late in the game, and he did a really good job of that as well. He's a smart guy. He, he, you know, he would set the screen. He would cut uh, and he'd make those those quick reads out of the the four on three situations and kind of an interesting spot on the court that you don't often see for those situations. But it was cool um, and you can see it was something that the Raptors had definitely designed. And uh, yeah, Fred was just really effective in this game. He was a minus six, which uh, I'm not really sure how that came out to be because he was in there uh, for a lot of the bigger moments in an overtime. But I, I think uh, he was really good. It's two two or three from deep as well. His threes felt massive too, um, so he was great. And then Serge Ibaka. He had a weird game. He was 5 of 19 from the field, 0 of 5 from deep, um, but he was 
still like really good defensively. He had four blocks in this one. He had that one chase down block I alluded to on Eric Blitz. So Demar, it was one of Demar's few instances of not diagnosing a trap very well. Uh, this was in the first half, and he kind of got caught on the right side, uh, threw a lazy pass, kind of just like a floating, very susceptible pass to, to Ibaka. Uh, Bledsoe picked it off, and Ibaka chased him down and just completely ended Bledsoe's night uh, with a ridiculous block, and that was really fun, and he, he just, he had a good overall game, even though he shot terribly. Um, and his defense late in the game, you know, playing center late in the game, we didn't see much Jonas in the second half of this one at all, and uh, for, for, for Ibaka, like, he was, you know, there are issues with him. You're concerned about his rebounding when he's playing center and all that stuff. But he had eight boards last night. The Raptors didn't get, you know, particularly hurt on the offensive glass or anything like that. Um, just uh, 10 offensive rebounds for the Bucks last night, which, like, it's not amazing, but also is not nearly as bad as some of the, the nights they've had in the past against teams that are just d- d- destroying them on the offensive glass. Um, but Ibaka was really good, and he had two steals last night as well. Um, he definitely struggled in terms of making decisions when the ball came to him uh, in the situations where the ball was swinging, but uh, that's going to come with Ibaka, and he has been better at that this season than I think he was last year, so maybe this is just a, like a one-game blip, but um, I thought Ibaka's defense was just kind of essential to the Raptors pulling this one out, and uh, yeah, the four blocks, the chase-down blocks with him, they're well past becoming a thing. Like They're just a thing now, and they're awesome. Um, I'm trying to decide like which my favorite type of Raptors block is. It's either a Pascal Siakam like totally recovering from out of position block or a DeLon Wright blocking a point guard block or it's a Ibaka chase down block. I can't decide just yet. I might have to do a power ranking of my favorite types of Raptors blocks, but uh, Ibaka's chase downs are right in there. Um, what else from this game? Norm Powell didn't play. This was his first DMP uh, CD of the season and uh, not, I mean, you can't really argue with it. I mean, Van Vliet and Wright have just been better than him this season. You'd think that maybe Powell's skill set would be a little bit more uh, useful in that second unit, but it just he has been so ineffective and so you know actively detracting from the health of the Raptors' offense when he's out there. Um, you know, I think his defense has been fine this season. I don't think there's been any, been any issue there, but uh, it's just been brutal offensively for him this season. He can't really kind of get out of his own head, and I don't think it's a bad call that he didn't end up playing in this game because. You know, it's kind of startling because he kind of saved the Raptors' asses in the playoffs last year. When he became the starting three, um, that's where they unlocked sort of the key to beating the Bucks' defense. And the fact that he wasn't even used in this game, I think, uh, speaks to how far his downfall has, uh, has taken him at this point. I still think he's going to get back to somewhere where he's an effective rotation player, but um, you can't argue with him being out of the rotation at this point. And this was always going to happen. They were always going to pare the rotation down from 12 to at least 10, maybe even 9 at some point, but I'm not sure who the next guy is if they are going to take it down to, to nine. I mean, Fred and DeLon both played really well. You're not going to see Pirtle out of there. You're not going to see Siakam out of there. Miles is, is good to go as well. Um, but Powell was the easy decision. If you're going to cut the rotation down a little bit right now, like he's the guy. And I don't think you can really argue with it. And it's a bummer, but I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens, I suppose. I'm still not concerned or anything about the contract he signed or whatnot. Hasn't even kicked in just yet. I'm sure there will be some growth from him. He'll bounce back, but um, just uh, something to keep an eye on, I suppose. If you're a Norm Powell head, he seems to be out of the rotation again, um, which was kind of the situation the last couple of years, even though the last couple of years it might not have been totally justified. Um, yeah, let's get to DeMar in this one, because god damn it, he was ridiculous. Um, I thought his, just his late game heroics were, like, so I was sitting there, like, just, like, sweating because I didn't want him to break Terrence Ross's record, but in hindsight, I'm actually happy he did it, um, because I'm a dumbass and was 
being petty about it, but like I'm actually happy DeMar holds the record now. He deserves the record. Uh, he should be an all-star this year. Like He's probably, I mean, he was third-team All-NBA last year. I would be shocked if he's not an All-NBA guard again this year, uh, if the voting were today at least. like He's been unbelievable this season. And uh, it's just... The five of nine from three. He's up to thirty-five percent of the season now on you know more than attempt, more than a, a make a game, three attempts a game. Um, it's uh, this the the growth from him is startling, man. I, I I honestly I don't even know like how to predict where DeRozan's gonna go from here because like you every single year you're like oh yeah he always adds something and you're always expecting it to be the year where he's not gonna add something but he keeps on adding something his defense last night was like as good as we've ever seen it again in the final play of the game on Malcolm Brogdon I mean what the hell was that like where does that come from it's unbelievable um and just for him to go five and nine from deep him and Lowry for the first time ever combined for 10 threes in a game uh which is kind of amazing there were 14 of 33 as a team last night from deep 10 of those came from Kyle and DeMar um this was very much in the mold of like an old Raptors game where Kyle and DeMar do everything on offense and then everyone else just kind of does stuff but uh, you trusted I think the other guys in the court in this game much more than maybe you would in the past and I think that was kind of the key difference and they were and DeMar just he was so good and then then Lowry's defense in this game I mean Lowry's defense kind of drifts at this point because I think he picks his spots where he actually wants to try Um, but he had a couple post possessions against like Middleton and stuff that were just like Stop posting up Kyle Lowry. What are you doing? Like, he even had one on Giannis where I think Giannis scored over him, but it, like, it was not easy by any means. And and, and Lowry uh, did a really good job, even though he's like losing like a foot in height and just like all of the weight to Giannis. But um, just stop posting up Kyle Lowry. You're not gonna get anything good out of it. He's gonna defend your ass off, and uh, or he's gonna defend his ass off. I don't know. Some ass, someone's ass is falling off when Kyle Lowry's defending in the post. Um, and he's like just a really great game from him last night. And and like, if there's any question that these two are both all-stars, I don't think there's any at this point. Um, like, last night's game, it was really great to see those two both show out in a game that really mattered for the Raptors, and that was kind of going to be a bit of a barometer going into this month, because, you know, how real was December? How real was that 10-1 stretch um, where they were just kind of beating up on everybody? Because the opponents weren't very good, it was really hard to say. Um, and this game wasn't flawless by any means, and there were definitely some hiccups, but I also think they were up against a Bucks team that really wanted it, and they pulled it out late, and DeMar and Kyle really showed up. They both showed Shot incredibly well. 78 points on 42 shots. Like, that's insane. That's just madness. But uh, they did it, and it was really great. And uh, that's pretty much all I got on this game, man. This is a lot to talk about in a game. Um, we're going on half an hour here of me just spewing my mind. But uh, just it was really fun to have a game to really care about again and sink your teeth into and sort of analyze in a much more analytical way than maybe we would have the, all these blowouts that have been happening all, happening all month. So, uh, glad I could talk about it, and thank you for dealing with me uh, rambling and speed-talking my way through this. We'll be back again uh, tomorrow, once again, as I said, with Vivek Jacob. We're going to be talking about the uh, the year that was 2017, kind of recapping our favorite moments, our favorite plays, uh, our favorite sort of things, and at least favorite things about the Raptors year as well. Uh, so that'll be fun. Stay tuned for that tomorrow morning, and uh, until then... Please go to the iTunes page for Lockdown Raptors. Leave a rating, leave a review. It takes no time. It's very, very helpful for you to do, and I'd very much appreciate it. Uh, you can also go to uh, Twitter at Lockdown Raptors at Woodley Sean. Uh, I'm gonna be writing for Raptors HQ later on today about what happened in this game, sort of what I spent the first part of the show talking about uh, on how the Raptors kind of use their old habits to kind of uh, pick apart the Bucks in a very interesting way, in a very fun way, um, in a very in a way that it kind of exhibited a lot of growth, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, 
Um, so that'll be later on RaptorsHQ.com, maybe tomorrow morning, either tonight or tomorrow morning. Stay tuned for that. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Hope everyone's got a good start to the new year going off. I'm going to go probably eat more unhealthy food because I'm a monster and I can't be stopped. But uh, anyone else who's got a New Year's resolution to stop doing that, uh, good, good on you. Congrats. Uh, I'm not joining you. That's going to do it. Thank you for tuning in. I'll be back again on Wednesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Cheers. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.